Hello and welcome back to Spotlight, the monthly podcast that discusses issues pertinent to child health with guests who make you think about areas not usually explored. Uh, today I'm joined by Claire Zhang. Uh, Claire is a DPhil student and Clarendon Scholar affiliated with the National Perinatal Epidemiology Unit at the Nuffield Department of Population Health at the University of Oxford in Oxford, United Kingdom. Welcome Claire and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Rachel. Now, I'm really excited about uh, about this paper. The paper is called Ethnic Differences and Inequities in Paediatric Healthcare Utilisation in the United Kingdom, a scoping review. So, Claire, let's start with an overall view. What did you set out to do in the paper and why? So in this paper, we conducted a scoping review of literature that's been published in the last two decades on this topic of ethnic differences and inequities, uh, specifically in children's use of healthcare in the UK. I guess the question of why children, I mean, aside from my own previous clinical interest uh, in children as a paediatric speech and language therapist. Um, I think, you know, the importance of child health outcomes, we, we all know, you know, it's so important to outcomes across the life course. And in terms of why ethnicity, um, in the most recent census, you know, 20% of England and Wales now, you know, it's made up of people from an ethnic group other than white British. And I think COVID-19 really highlighted to us these disparities in health outcomes and hospitalisation. But what we found when we started to look at this literature on ethnic health inequities is that the literature has been really adult focused to date. And also studies about healthcare, they often, you know, talk about access barriers for minority ethnic groups, but without really quantifying the impact on, I guess, what we call realised access. So what does what does it mean in terms of how does it result in differences in actual use of health services? So we set out to, to look at this, you know, the, the quantitative studies that measure utilisation of services, um, which is you know, direct contact with, with the NHS through appointments, uh, hospitalisations. And we wanted to have a look at both the quantity and also the quality of these studies to see if we have sufficient and robust evidence to inform policy and practice in this area. And as you can see from the title, we also tried to untangle a bit the differences. Well, for want of a better word, uh, we, we wanted to look at differences versus uh, inequities. Um, so, you know, something that's simply unequal between uh, health, uh, different ethnic groups and things that were unequal, unfair, you know, not explained by differences in, in healthcare need. Okay, so that's that's a lot to take in, Claire. And, and, and I just wonder whether you should break it down a bit. So if we... Think about some of the terms first. Let's start with the difference. You, you started to talk to that a bit. So how would you say that there's differences in the terms inequality and inequity? Uh, and why does it matter to make that distinction? Mm, that's a really good question. And I should probably start by saying that in this paper, we decided to steer away from the word inequality. And it's simply because it looks way too similar to inequity when you read it on paper. Um, so we chose a synonym, which is differences. And it's important to make this distinction from a policy perspective, particularly when we're thinking about use of healthcare. And that's because, you know, Differences in healthcare use, a variation in healthcare use, it might be explained by, for example, differences in health status, healthcare need, because of an unequal burden of disease, 
between different ethnic groups. And from a policy perspective, a- addressing unequal disease burden, that would require a whole you know, different set of policy interventions than inequities in healthcare utilisation, which is, you know, after we account for healthcare need, why do we still see differences between uh, ethnic groups where perhaps, you know, they have the same burden of disease, but use services differently, maybe because of differences in health-seeking behaviours, um, maybe because of, of experiences of racism and, you know, lack, lack of cultural responsiveness from previous contacts within the healthcare system, which then drives differences in healthcare utilisation. So that's why we tried to untangle these two uh, types of variation. So basically it's unwanted variation where you're you're getting at. Exactly. So variation is fine, but not all variation. There, there could be very justified reasons that's exactly for right. identifying the, uh, the differences. Yes, that's right. So the other term we probably need to talk a bit too is um, ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Um, so how is ethnicity understood in this paper? So in this paper, we adopt the definition of uh, a social construct. So ethnicity is quite complex. You know, it's shaped by a multitude of factors, uh, for example, cultural identity, um, you know, one's cultural practices and beliefs, uh, nationality, language, uh, sometimes migration history and heritage. Um, And so it's a construct that um, is also influenced by, you know, the cultural, political, uh, social dynamics within societies. Um, And that's why it's so difficult to capture because, you know, it changes over time and it, it it's different between uh, different countries. Um, uh, for example, the ONS, every time uh, we have a census, you know, the categories you would have noticed change uh, on the census um, in terms of which box you tick as an ethnic, uh, ethnic groups. Uh, and also comparisons, for example, between uh, England and Scotland, we have different ethnic categories to tick on the form. And so, um, you know, when we when we try to use ethnicity as an explanatory factor, uh, particularly in um, epidemiological research, uh, we're really we're using it to reflect. It's kind of like a um, like a surrogate marker to reflect the effects of you know the individual, the, the social, the systemic factors that are distributed unequally between ethnic groups. Um, that might be factors like you know racism. Uh, experienced in healthcare settings or the different living and working conditions that differ between different ethnic groups. And so because ethnicity is socially constructed, you know, these poor outcomes, particularly when we're talking about outcomes like healthcare utilisation, they're not intrinsic, so to speak, to specific ethnic groups, if that makes sense. Mm, it does. So it's always, it's always tricky when you try to get to a definition. Mm. Uh, and, and, and in this case, the definition of ethnicity moves, it's fluid. So you get to how useful is this definition of ethnicity um, in order to try to explain uh, differences in um, healthcare utilisation. And one of the things that comes to mind is that um, as human beings, we've got all kinds of um, backgrounds, and in, including things like socioeconomic status. And there might be a conflation of the, the different entities uh, that, that that we carry. Is that is that something that you can um, uh, account for, or, or is that something that you you just have to ignore? You know how how simple can you make it, given the complexity of the uh, ethnicity definition? 
Mm, that's such a good question. And I, I don't think there's a simple or an easy answer because exactly of the, the complexity you just mentioned. Um, I think, you know, this really, it comes back to that point that we make in this paper about how we really, in in studies of, of ethnic health inequities, we really need better theoretical frameworks and actually just to, to use the theoretical frameworks that are already out there to guide, you know, how we, how we define ethnicity, how we classify it, and then how we interpret the findings from our studies. This is something that we found was often missing from the studies that we reviewed in, in this scoping review. And, you know, you spoke about income just now. Um, you know, that's a, that's a quite a, a typical example of how there is an established body of evidence out there, you know, on the mediating role of income, socioeconomic status in this association between ethnicity and, and various health outcomes. But I think in a lot of these studies, we found that it, it doesn't explain all of the association that we see. And unfortunately, not all papers then in, include or have, have the relevant data to then um, look, at, look at this, um, you know, potential causal pathway that, that's there. And so, uh, without having sort of robust theoretical frameworks embedded into these papers, it's really difficult to unpack the mechanisms by which mm. ethnicity then impacts on the health outcomes that we're trying to measure. You know, one has to start somewhere. Exactly. And... Um one of the questions that came to mind, so ultimately what we're trying to get to is equitable healthcare for all children. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so is this then the most appropriate question to ask to, to get to that ultimate goal? So I think ethnicity is definitely uh, not the only question uh, to ask when we're thinking about equity for all children. And I think we need to be clear about which indicators of equity that are particularly relevant to a given context in a particular health service. Um, For example, in in our research um, at the National Perinatal Epidemiology Unit about childhood vaccinations, COVID's a classic example. It's shown us that ethnicity is very important um, to think about when there's a body of evidence showing differences in vaccine access and confidence between ethnic groups. Um, So for that particular service, yes, for vaccination, ethnicity is a very appropriate question to ask. But for other types of services, it might be that other indicators of equity may be more or equally as important as ethnicity to consider when we're thinking about this overall picture of equitable healthcare for children. And, you know, to, to play devil's advocate, in, in some countries, data collection on uh, ethnicity is not actually allowed. And, you know, some make the argument that we shouldn't keep perpetuating these categories that reinforce, you know, unequal power structures um, between groups. But I think, it, I guess the question is, how do we then redress inequities if we can't name it and, and call it out? Um, so the UK has been using ethnic categories to label and group people for, for decades. And these historical lines have been drawn in the sand, you know, to divide and discriminate. And this has really resulted in very real and very measurable health inequities. So in certain situations, it, it does make a lot of sense to ask this question, to, to try to use these sort of classification systems to try to do the opposite, you know, to prioritise resources towards certain groups and, and balance the scales, um, so to speak. But I think, again, it comes back to we need to be very clear about why we're interested in ethnicity specifically for that particular context and health service that we're trying to study. Mm-hmm. So you know the question then 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 is sort of why why are we actually categorizing and so we might be using the same categories um, however the intent would be different and could be more explicit some of the consequences of categorization uh, may be unwanted 
or there might be a side effect. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that every uh, categorization will have an intent to harm, but uh, harm may have occurred just due to the categorization. Uh, but as you say, you could harness that the other way around exactly. and say, okay, we're going to use this and redress uh, a situation that we find um, un- find unwanted. That's absolutely right. Um, and I think, you know, speaking to uh, the patient and public involvement group for my particular PhD project, we've talked a lot about these classification systems and how, you know, oftentimes the the standardised ones like the um, Office of National Statistics for the census, while it's great to have a standardised system where we put people neatly into, um, you know, 18, 19 boxes, um, there are categories in there where people just don't feel like they, they fit that, you know, they've been seen, especially categories uh, like, for example, any other ethnic group, <laughs> you know, it, that, that's essentially the box for, well, I don't fit into any of the other um, named groups. Um, so that makes it very challenging, I think, to interpret some of these studies. And doing the scoping review really made me aware of how, you know, as researchers, we sometimes aggregate certain ethnic groups because we, we need statistical power, right, to, to conduct the analysis that we set out to do. But when you're mixing categories, um, sometimes even the, the higher level categories, like when you put, you know, mixed and other together, what does that even mean when the findings come out? Who, who are we talking about um, when we say there's an odds ratio of 1.5 for mixed and other? Which ethnic groups does that even represent? And can we actually make any relevant policy recommendations off the back of that when we don't really know what that aggregate group who we're talking about? So I think that's, again, one of the, the major challenges of doing research in this field. Mm. Um, but it also invites us to then sort of look a bit closer and then challenge maybe the uh, the, the the groupings that that we've used there's always a uh, a situation of how how much do you aggregate and how much do you disaggregate uh, in, in order to come to a meaningful uh, outcome something that you can work with uh, and and that just requires um ongoing conversations you know, does this work does this not work um, so, so that is not unusual, um, and and I think it's quite healthy to then come back and sort of say, mm, maybe we should rethink ca- these categorizations because it doesn't work um, uh, in the area uh, that we're interested in, and come up with something new. I completely agree, and um, I think it's the, one of the more welcome, um, <laughs> one of the more welcome developments that have come out of the COVID nineteen pandemic is that this discourse has really sort of come to the fore. And uh, in the last mm. couple of years, um, there have been a number of um, reports published. I think one of them was by the NHS Race and Health Observatory. Another one was about I think diverse patient voices and data, and we're really starting to ask patients and the public about well, you know, do these categories actually mean anything to you? Is there a better way that we can, a better way that we can uh, capture data on your cultural identity, you know, on your ethnic identity? Um, unfortunately, you know, the conclusions from those, those reports is there's, there's no best way to do it. And I don't think there ever will be a best way to do it. You know, ethnicity is such a personal, self-identified um, thing. And, 
uh, I guess the main message though is that no matter which way you do it, there needs to be a really strong justification for why. The mothers from my patient and public involvement group really made this clear. They said, you know, so much has been taken from minority ethnic groups that when you start to classify us and conduct research on us um, without really ever explaining, you know, what are the tangible benefits? If you if you go out and you create a system and you group us, what are we actually getting out of it? So that's another recommendation that we made in the scoping review, that we need to be really clear about why we're conducting research, why we've selected certain ethnic groups and why we've grouped them in this way. And, you know, by doing so, how are we going to actually create some tangible benefits for these ethnic mm. communities? I think that's so, so important, uh, Claire. So so having that conversation with people, so not doing research on people, um, there's a nasty history uh, mm. for that um, and we definitely shouldn't perpetuate it. So it would be in conversation with uh, the people um, uh, that uh, may benefit from asking these questions. That's absolutely right. Um, and, and those benefits, then we, we've set out to ask these questions and then what would be then the translation um, of the answers to those questions. So how does this piece of work then inform policy? Could you could you talk to that a bit? Yes, definitely. Um, I think this piece of work, the scoping review that we've conducted, one of the things that we've um, we found, and you can sort of see this in the, the, the implications for policy section, is that it's actually very difficult with the current body of evidence that we have to make any sort of policy recommendation. And that's because of these limitations we've sort of talked about um, already, you know, the the lack of use of conceptual frameworks, this lack of clarity in terms of why certain classification systems were chosen and why sort of bespoke classification systems um, were used in certain studies. And so when we can't really compare between studies and synthesise it, um, the body of evidence properly, it's very difficult to pinpoint, um, you know, specific policy actions that can be undertaken. And so I think as a researcher who's also working in this field and also learning um, learning a lot about how to improve the quality, we set out to make uh, a set of recommendations that can hopefully help us to generate better research to, to impact on policy in this area. And so there are things like, um, for example, uh, in terms of when you're, when you're measuring um, healthcare utilisation, um, how can you better account for things like healthcare needs for healthcare outcomes so that you can actually distinguish between differences and inequities and be able to you know, generate findings that can then feed into policy discussion about that. And it's also all the things we talked about in terms of ethnicity classification systems. Are we trying to make any policy recommendations um, that are generalisable across the whole of England or the whole of the UK? Or is it actually that this particular study is looking at a very local context and the ethnicity um, classification system we've used for this particular um, context is relevant for knowledge translation and, and um, uh, to impact policy on that particular service in that particular area. So I think a lot of it comes back to being clearer about um, what exactly it is that we're trying to address from a policy perspective and then creating the research questions and um, the methodological design uh, off the back of that. Mm. Again, so context is is so so key. There is there is there is no way you can have a, an overall framework. Uh, it needs to be tailored to sort of where where the population is, not just how the population is described or what the population behaviour is like. Again, it's coming to sort of a deeper understanding rather than just broad strokes. 
Yes, that's yeah. right. And I can absolutely understand the the challenges because as somebody who's who's conducting research in this field right now, I can completely understand how challenging it is to get the right sort of data to do this research, to be able to, you know, whether you're using routine healthcare data or, you know, survey data, they both have their limitations. But I think, uh, you know, there, there is value still in conducting this research. It's just about how we do it in a way that um, can, you know, create some kind of some kind of policy impact to, to sort of tie it back to the, the reasons why we're doing this research in the first place rather than just, you know, research for the sake of it. But also when we're doing it, how can we make sure that we're doing it in the most uh, robust way as well? Um, and th- there's a number of very good resources out there as well, um, more broadly in the field of um, ethnicity and health, uh, not so much uh, children's use of healthcare, but more broadly, um, you know, like Professor Salway, I think created a, a checklist on how to uh, better conduct research in the field of um, ethnicity and health. And, you know, NHS Race and Health Observatory have made a number of recommendations in the last couple of years too. So, yeah, I definitely think, you know, we're, we're on the right track in terms of, um, of moving this forward and, and trying to improve the body of evidence. And, and, and then you, you add uh, to that, so the age grouping, because as you said in the introduction, that most of the research is focused on adults. And yes. that's not new to paediatricians, that uh, children, uh, if they do feature at all, they might be uh, an afterthought. But here, uh, you've you've put children in a uh, in the centre, uh, and I, and I think that is uh, key. Definitely, uh, they're they're not just add-ons. So would you would would you be able to speak to that a bit a bit more? So how it's how it's different for children? Yes, absolutely. So I think the recommendations that we make in this paper, we really try to include. Um, uh, some recommendations from the perspective of, of research on children, like you say, so the age one is definitely um, key, where we we found that um, not all studies stratify by age in their findings. And that's quite tricky because, you know, when we're thinking about um, all ages under this, this, this cohort of children and young people, children change so much and, and the types of healthcare services that they use differ um, as they age. For example, uh, at the moment I'm researching six to eight week baby checks and that's going to be very different from a child and adolescent mental health services. Um, So, you know, we really need to look at sort of age specific healthcare utilisation outcomes. Another one I think for children is when we're thinking about children, particularly the younger ones, we need to also better um, measure, you know, parental characteristics. So um, a key one is what about the parents' ethnicity? In the scoping review paper that we wrote, we we found that um, parental ethnicity is rarely um, considered in in this discussion about ethnicity. It's usually child ethnicity. And I think that's probably because of uh, data limitations. You know, it's quite difficult to link data sources. Um, But there are a number of routine uh, data sources now that can, can help to do that. And so, where possible, um, can we also include some parental characteristics in there? Because, you know, parent behaviour is so important and uh, in influencing children's health outcomes and also children's use of healthcare. Um, you know, the little ones, they don't walk themselves to the GP um, practice as the parents that, that take them. Um, so I think we really need to be uh, mindful of that. And therefore, when conducting research on children, we need to also have, um, you know, the parents' voices um, 
heard through that as well. Um, whether it's through, you know, patient and public involvement groups that invite parents um, to take part or even for, for some of the younger children, you know, there's a lot of great work going on. Um, I think Imperial College London, uh, there's a research group that has done a lot of uh, patient and public involvement um, with children themselves in terms of including their voices as well um, uh, in this discussion. So, yeah, I think that's quite key. Mm-hmm. So, Claire, could you give us an example, like a real-life example, how, how this might pan out um, in, in your experience? Yeah, so in the research um, that I'm currently doing in the National Perinatal Epidemiology Unit, we're currently conducting a study on six to eight week uh, baby checks, which is, you know, universally provided by the NHS. Um, It's supposed to happen six to eight weeks um, after a baby is born um, at the GP practice. Now, for this particular uh, study, we've tried to be very clear about, um, you know, the conceptual framework that we're trying to use. So, for example, we've constructed, um, directed acyclic graphs, uh, which is very technical, but basically it means that we've drawn a conceptual framework to really map out how it is that ethnicity impacts on the overall outcome, which is six to eight week baby checks. And we've then considered what we can measure and what we can't measure with the data that we currently have. And a a really good thing, I think, about what we're trying to do is um, through the Clinical Research Practice Data Link, um, which is one of the largest you know, databases in the UK, uh, we've managed to um, get the mother-baby link from that, which means that we can now link mother and baby records so we can derive both the baby's ethnicity as well as mom's ethnicity. So we're able to actually um, look at, um, you know, the impact of maternal ethnicity on uh, use of healthcare um, by by the baby. Um, And part of that also is we're able to even measure other parental characteristics, for example, thinking about birth outcomes, because we know that birth outcomes like prematurity and birth weight uh, differ between ethnic groups. So we can actually adjust for that um, in our analysis because we have this um, linked data. Um, and then in terms of, you know, what I spoke about, the, the classification system for ethnicity, um, because our study is going to be a national one and we want it to have national policy relevance, we've then been very clear that our preferred choice of classification system um, is the Office for National Statistics disaggregated classification of ethnicity. And, you know, the, the data that we're using also comes from um, HES, which uses the 2011 census classification. So then we've been clear about why it is that the 2011 classification system is the one that um, we'll use. But obviously caveating um, that, you know, since then, a new group has been added um, to the 2021 census and how that sort of uh, affects, you know, our interpretation of data using a slightly outdated system as well. So clarity again. Yes. And we come back to clarity every single time. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And that way we can, when we, when we, you know, uh, finally get the results from from this study, um, we are then able to, to interpret what it is that we've done in light of the conceptual framework that we've used and, and think about, you know, things that we've talked about like socioeconomic status. How does that then, you know, uh, mediate that, that association? We're able to then, um, you know, think about, well, then how does parental ethnicity affect this outcome versus, you know, child ethnicity as well? So it, it allows us to be a bit more granular in, in the findings, uh, in reporting the findings, but also then making, um, you know, some policy recommendations. Let's let's circle back to 
you know, saying so it's not it's not great currently what's out there. There's a there are papers um, and you found flaws uh, in them, uh, which are just opportunities to think uh, about doing things better. Where would you say the focus now needs to be? You're giving several recommendations and they make sense. But if you had to choose, where would you say this is where we need to focus? Mm. That's a difficult question. I want to say all of them. Um, but but I think if I had to give some um, takeaways, I think sort of the, the, the key ones really are, um, you know, one of them is clarity. I think clarity across the board in terms of choice of classification system for ethnicity, clarity in terms of well, what's the expected amount of, of healthcare use for a particular service. So I think that really needs to be brought out. Um, for, for policy relevance, the key takeaway there is that we really need to distinguish between differences and inequities because there's huge implications for um, for how policy then is enacted off the back of the evidence we generate. And that goes back to being able to quantify healthcare needs um, and also healthcare outcomes as well that result from healthcare use. And then I think, you know, finally having those conceptual frameworks um, to interpret the mechanisms. We discussed at the beginning how ethnicity is such a complex construct. You know, what do we even mean when ethnicity is associated with a certain type of healthcare outcome? Um, And so to actually create conceptual frameworks to interpret how, um, you know, how we think ethnicity is actually impacting on the particular outcomes that we're interested in. I think that's that's really important. really crucial too. And yeah, finally, it's those those uh, considerations for, for children. You know, when you're looking at the paediatric context, we need to also think about parents. We need to think about age. And on that note, Claire, thank you so much for um, giving your time and having this conversation thank with us. Thank you so much for the discussion, Rachel. It's been fantastic. Thank you for listening. We publish regular podcasts about some of the best content of archives of disease in childhood. And the papers discussed in ADC Spotlight will be available free of charge for a month after the podcast episode release. If you don't want to miss us, please subscribe on your preferred platforms to get the podcast directly on your device each month. We'd also like to hear from you, so please leave us a review on the Archives of Disease of Childhood podcast page on iTunes. Thank you, and until next month. Mm-hmm.